You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Monday, October 24th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Xi Jinping has claimed a third term as the Communist Party leader in China. He'll now serve another five-year term, overseeing the world's second largest economy and a growing military, continuing to pose threats to the U.S. on multiple fronts. Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill, joins us for the latest in China and more. With the midterm elections just weeks away, Democrats are getting more worried about their prospects, and we'll get a preview of the high-stakes Pennsylvania Senate debate on Tuesday. Next, it was the largest animal welfare seizure in the Humane Society history. Nearly 4,000 beagles were rescued from the Invigo facility in Virginia, where they were breeding dogs for research. After USDA investigators found horrible conditions there, an undercover investigation by PETA, and a lawsuit filed by the Justice Department, a judge ruled that the dogs be surrendered to the Humane Society. But that was only the beginning. Then came the huge task of retrieving and adopting out all the dogs, some of which had health and behavioral problems. Lizzie Johnson, staff writer at the Washington Post, joins us for the rescue of the Invigo Beagles. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I'm going to make it really simple for all of you. It's a choice. It's a choice. An ally, the sacred life of union, the union way of life, the union way of life, or someone like Dr. Oz that would Take it away and try to destroy it. Joining us now is Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thank you for having me. Well, over the weekend, we saw Xi Jinping of China emerge as the Communist Party leader again. This would be for the, fir- uh, the third time. Now, there in China, they don't have term limits on the top office there. They do have five-year terms, and uh, so this is going to be his third one. This kind of rolling back, I mean, that, it, it seemed like they were trying to do, you know, a top limit of 10 years for their leaders, uh, obviously, but um, he's kind of rolled all that back. He's consolidated all the power into his own hands uh, with allies and protégés that he has there. And as we've seen, you know, China has been an emerging threat here for the United States uh, on a variety of different fronts. And so we'll have to contend with uh, Xi Jinping for five more years at least. And a lot of people are saying, you know, he could even stretch it out even further. 
Yeah, Oscar, I think at least is really the two key words there. Look, this is no surprise that he has stretched this out. He is emerging, really. China, under him and under past leaders, but I would say especially under Xi Jinping, is emerging as this you know global superpower, which economically, at least, is getting to the point where it could outpower the United States. And on top of that, we see that China is ex- continuing to really extend its influence in Asia, whether it's the South China Sea and parts of the Pacific. So I don't think this really comes as as a surprise to anyone in the United States or the U.S. government or American officials dealing with China on a daily basis. But it's something it's a reminder, really, that they're going to have to continue to contend with Xi Jinping as a leader. And he has definitely emerged as someone who is not necessarily uh, a friend to the United States. So, you know, you have these emerging you know, especially China and maybe Russia to a certain extent, these emerging economic and military threats that we're going to have to contend with, you know, going forward. And I think Xi Jinping's um, re-election as leader of the Communist Party, leader of the country, really solidifies that. Yeah, definitely. The world's second largest economy, they're increasing their military power as well. And, you know, we've seen uh, uh, President Biden uh, uh, turn a lot of attention toward China as well during his administration. So, yeah, we'll keep monitoring all that. But for now, uh, China continues on their way there. Uh, I did want to turn a little bit and talk about some uh, politics because we're getting so close to the midterm elections now. Everything's kind of in the final stages. Some people have already voted. There's an NBC News poll that said 70% of all registered voters are expressing high interest in the upcoming election, either a 9 or 10 out of a 10-point scale. Republicans still do have a little bit more enthusiasm, 78% compared to 69% for Democrats. But for Democrats, they're they're worried right now. They uh, got a little bit of momentum when the abortion issue came back, but crime and the economy continue to be top issues for voters. During the summer, we saw that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, That really galvanized a lot of Democratic voters, particularly in the primaries and special election races across the country. Democrats often point to the election in Kansas, um, which was on uh, that constitutional amendment in the state that would have, um, you know, could have limited abortion access. However, voters voted against that. Kansas is a very red state. So that was good news for Democrats and those on the abortion rights side of the aisle. We also saw that President Biden was able to pass the Inflation Reduction Act and the CHIPS bill. So there were legislative victories as well. And for a while, it seemed like Democrats um, were having a good few months, a good few weeks, really, in the uh, towards the end of the summer. However, what we've seen since then is we've gotten farther away from Roe v. Wade. It's sort of old news now. Obviously, this is still an issue that's going to impact Americans, particularly women, in these states where abortion access is being limited. However, overall, we're seeing that abortion is falling on a lot of Americans' priorities list um, coming in, um, you know, maybe fourth place in a number of polls in terms of priorities. And you have seen crime and the state of the economy increase as we've seen violent crime in, increase. And we've also seen, um, you know, uh, inflation fears growing. You see recession a lot in the headlines. And that's what's really grabbing Americans' attention right now. It's been interesting to see Democrats really continue, it seems, to really grab on to this abortion message this week, despite polls showing that crime in the economy 
are, you know, higher priorities. So there is a concern there. And we're getting really close in a lot of different races. Uh, you know, the House seems like it could flip over to Republicans. In the Senate, there's a handful of uh, high profile races that are really going to decide what's going to happen there. One of them I know you've been following very closely is in Pennsylvania. So we're looking at Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman there facing off against Dr. Oz. And this week, they're going to have a debate and uh, a lot of eyes are going to be on there. Uh, you know, Fetterman has had questions raised about his health since he had a stroke in May. We're seeing the polls tighten there. So that's going to be the big thing this week. This is expected to get a lot of eyeballs, really for a number of reasons, but most, I would say, chiefly Fetterman's health and how he's able to perform on a debate stage. We knew that for months Fetterman was using a closed captioning system to help him conduct interviews. However, we saw it in person a few weeks back when NBC News' Dasha Burns conducted that interview with him, and it didn't go so well for the Fetterman campaign and sort of this divide emerged on the internet about whether there were real concerns about whether he can perform the duties of yeah. the a United States Senator if he was able and competent enough, for example. So there were those concerns that adds to the pressure of, okay, how does he perform on a debate stage against someone like Mehmet Oz who had a television show for well over a decade, television is where he's most comfortable. And numerous Democrats I've talked to and Fetterman allies have said, look, this is where Oz's strength lies. He has the upper hand here. We're going to have to get through this. But they're really relying on the situation on the ground. And we're starting to see John Fetterman participate in more on the ground activities. They're releasing those crowd counts, especially out of the more red leaning counties in Pennsylvania, saying he got 400, for example, over 400 people to come out in Butler County last week in such a red leaning county, for example. So um, they're leaning on that strategy. But this debate is going to get a lot of national attention. I mean, goodness, last week we saw a number of different Senate and gubernatorial debates, I think a handful on Monday night, yeah. um, just alone. However, this one on Tuesday is going to be the must-see uh, piece of television. And, you know, I think if I'm John, John Fetterman, I'm nervous, but his allies say, look, um, this isn't the only factor. Um, John Fetterman has had more a, you know, larger in-person campaign events on the trail. So we'll have to see, but it's going to be must-see television for sure. Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We're going to be transporting this pack of adorable beagles back to them for a chance to find a loving home. These dogs have come from Invigo, a dog prison in Cumberland, Virginia, that PETA's undercover investigation uh, exposed was being extremely cruel to its dog victims. Joining us now is Lizzie Johnson, staff writer at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Lizzie. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Envigo Beagles. Now, a lot of people might remember the story about this, uh, you know, breeding and research facility in Vigo. They were uh, had a, a ton of nearly 4,000 beagles that were there. And, you know, there's uh, years of raising alarms by animal rights advocates, state legislatures. There was investigations that were going around, uh, lawsuits filed by the Justice Department against Invigo because the conditions there of all these animals, of all these beagles that were there, were just horrible. There was maggots in the kibble. There was uh, puppies that were being injured and being euthanized. There was an undercover investigation done by PETA. There was all sorts of stuff that was going down. They ended up shutting down. They were rescuing all the beagles. And I think all of them now that, that were caught up in all that have been adopted out somehow and everything. So it's a good story on that. But just looking into what happened there, I mean, man, it is a crazy, sad story. So, Lizzie, help us walk through some of this. Uh, tell us about Invigo and, and all the beagles. Yeah, so Invigo is the name of the company that owns that facility. It was in rural Virginia off this tiny little country road. If you were driving past it, you wouldn't even know that it was there. And so it had been around for a really long time, for decades, actually has been around since before the laws that were designed to protect these animals were put into place. So beagles were bred there for medical research, and they were sent to laboratories and other testing facilities around the nation and as far as Japan, the Netherlands, France, and they were all set free this summer. The last ones went out around Labor Day. And so how did people start uh, getting alerted to what was happening there? I know there was one instance where somebody flew a drone over there and captured a lot of footage. And then the second big thing that happened seemed to be a, a PETA investigator kind of went undercover there at the facility. People really started um, getting a glimpse of this facility about three years ago. There is an animal rights group, like you had mentioned, who had flown a drone over the facility. And so you could see these animals and hear them for the first time. And around that time, this old USDA report that was a few years outdated at that point had serviced talking about some of the citations that they had given at the facility, how the dogs were injured and not receiving medical care, how, um, you know, there was maggots in the food and that the cages weren't being cleaned. And so that caught the attention of um, state legislator Bill Stanley. He came to be known as Senator Beagle um, <laughs> for his efforts to save these dogs. And so he was trying to pass legislation in the Virginia legislature to get this facility shut down. And um, ultimately, that didn't work. But um, it, it reached a point where the DOJ stepped in, where uh, PETA had done their undercover investigation. The USDA had gone in five times and found 74 violations of the Animal Welfare Act. And so the DOJ went in and did a, a raid that lasted five days. Yeah. Just a little bit more on that PETA investigation, because, you know, the way that played out, right, somebody went in, they basically said, hey, let me get a job here. It was $12 an hour. And then they started documenting all the bad stuff that they were seeing there. 
And for Invigo, you know, they obviously dispute a lot of the allegations, all this stuff. And according to their company and the rules there, if an employee sees something bad going on, any violations or something, they're supposed to report it. And in response to the PETA investigation, they said, well, this person didn't even do their duty by highlighting, you know, what was going on there. So even, you know, they were there, you know, under the pretense of working, they didn't even do their job by saying there was violations going on. It's like, come on, how can, how can you even uh, spin it that way? Any kind of reporting like this, you, you do have to give both sides the opportunity to comment. And so I went to Indigo's parent company and asked them about every allegation that the PETA investigator told me about. And the company just maintains that the dogs were being treated well and that there was nothing amiss. And it was actually the investigator who should have reported the problems to right. get them fixed. So... You know, so it goes. So in the end, I mean, overall, there was 3,776 beagles there that now needed to be rescued. They needed to be sent out. And what happened was organizations from all over the country, I think the Humane Society of the United States, but, you know, other uh, chapters and a lot of other places were there to rescue the dogs and then hopefully adopt them all out. Even that process of recovering the beagles from the facility there was just shrouded in secrecy. You couldn't, you know, have a cell phone, no pictures, no nothing. Even the people that were there to rescue the dogs couldn't even speak to the people that worked at the facility. It was a huge operation. There were rescue groups from 28 states that were there. And so only a certain number of them were allowed in the facility at one time. So they would create these caravans where they would park all of their rescue vans right outside the gate. And so one van would go in. Those people would have to leave their phones off property. So they'd load the dogs up and then drive out. And no one else was allowed to be there except for the lawyers and the marshals and anyone else that was helping them. We obviously heard a lot of the stories about what was going on there, you know, maggots in the food, feces and urine all over the place. The dogs were obviously in really bad conditions, you know, being in such close quarters with each other, they a lot of them turned aggressive. I think um, there was a puppy that was uh, murdered by other dogs. I think in the report it said that the dog was eviscerated. You know, it's all really, really bad stuff. But the ones that did survive then and that, you know, the hope right to be rescued and adopted out... I mean, what were their conditions? Because they were not in the best of headspace. Uh, you made mention of really nervous and anxious dogs and, you know, just dogs that they just had a lot of problems. There were so many stories over the summer of, you know, Indigo Beagles are in California, Indigo Beagles are in Maine. And so you had those just one-time stories talking about how amazing it was that they were out. But like you said, a lot of them had some really serious behavioral issues because of how they had spent their lives, which was in cages or in these enclosures where they weren't allowed to play with toys or run in the grass. And so you can imagine that going out into the real world for the first time where there's noisy cars and laughing children and vacuum cleaners and recreational sports, right. like that would be really overwhelming. And so some of them have had some, some big issues as they've gotten used to being a normal dog in the world. Yeah, there was, uh, I guess in the article you mentioned, there was some dogs that, you know, had never even set foot on grass before. That's how bad, just to illustrate how bad it was. And tell me a little bit about the global animal testing market right now. In the article you mentioned, it's valued at $10.7 billion. This is from 2019. You know, we can see the conditions going on in a place like this, but even still, there was a lot of people not necessarily supporting what they were doing there and in Vigo, but supporting the need to breed a lot of dogs to still have them for research. It's a really interesting and tense topic because 
there are some people who argue that beagles shouldn't be tested on, that it is not analogous to human biology to compare those results. And then there are other people who acknowledge the fact that these tests do need to happen one way or another before they get to humans. And so I think that's a big question that we are all confronting as people. And the dogs that were at this facility play into it because they were bred there and sent around the world to laboratories like that to test vaccines and all sorts of things. Do we know by chance why beagles? Was there anything particular about beagles that makes them better for some type of this research? Or was it that's just the breed that they were choosing? I was told over and over, beagles are chosen because they are small and they are docile and they will not bite you when you're doing really painful experiments on them. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's that's a leave it a little bit more. That's even more heartbreaking because they're so nice, you know. And we love, especially on the podcast, we love our animals and all that. And it's even worse to hear. I mean, you know, that they're so nice and loving that they won't treat you badly when you're doing the ba- the worst of things to them. And then, okay, so then, you know, uh, as you mentioned, all these different uh, rescue groups came and they took the dogs away. And then, as you described it, uh, beagle mania, right? When it came time to actually adopt these, there was people lining up at all those individual rescue uh, uh, points, trying to get online and get in the virtual queue and do all this stuff. And it was beagle mania for just to try to adopt them all out. I mean, more than 120 rescues across the country you had. The governor of New Jersey adopted one of these beagles. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle adopted one of these beagles. Every one of these states that received the beagles, those local rescues got thousands of emails from people wanting these dogs. And in the end, with all of this, you know, Invigo didn't have to um, necessarily claim fault in all this. They didn't have to pay any fines or anything like that with all of this. I mean, what has happened since then? I mean, I know it happened uh, fairly recently, but has there been any steps to make sure this stuff doesn't happen again? So at least at this facility, one of the agreements that Invigo had to make was that they wouldn't use the facility for any other activity needing a USDA license. And so what that means is that they can't just flip the facility and turn it into a dog breeding place again. So here, at least, it will no longer happen. Well, I know it took a lot of pain to get through all of that for, you know, a lot of the people involved, but at least almost all of those beagles now have been rescued and are in a far better place than they were at that facility. Lizzie Johnson, staff writer at The Washington Post, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 